Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, you got a lot of energy this morning, too. You look good. You look good. If you want to know who all the intelligent people are of Stockbridge Community Church, just look around you right now. Because everybody made it on time today. We're so glad that you're here on this time change weekend. And it's going to be worth your time to be here because it's an exciting word today from Almighty God. Well, how many of you know this today that our lives are made up of our habits? Do you, you realize that? And so in order for your life to get better, you can't just stop a bad habit. You actually have to replace a bad habit with a good habit, right? And so by replacing a bad habit with a good habit, you change your life. And so today we want to talk about those five habits that will help you change your life. So would you write this down? The first thing I'd like you to write down as we, as we launch into this, number one is this. Every day relax in God's grace is the first habit that Paul is going to encourage us about in the book of Philippians that we're going through through this series to do. Let me just say before I, I go right into reading the passage is that if you feel like every day that you have to earn God's love, you're going to be a very unhappy person. If you feel like you have to earn it, then you're going to be unhappy because you have to accept the fact that God, if you've asked him to come into your life and save you, and you are a Christ follower today, that you are forgiven and that you have relationship with God, and he loves you on the merit of what his son Jesus has done for you, and that it's all good. If you have this keep it score mentality that, you know, well, I was good today, so God will be nice to me today. He'll like me today. Or I wasn't so good today, so God doesn't like me. If you live in that world, you're going to be very unhappy. So just settle it every day. You know what? I'm, I'm in God's grace. So the Bible says this. Paul writes this in Philippians 3. Look what he says. For it is, for it is we who are the circumcision... We who serve God by His Spirit, notice that, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the what? In the flesh. We put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, it's what God has done for us, not what we have done for God that saves us. Aren't you glad about that? We're just glad about that today. Notice he goes back and he uses the word circumcision here. This word was actually a covenant. It represented a covenant, an agreement between God and man. There's basically four covenants that are talked about in the Bible. And the first one was Noah. Remember how Noah built the boat, God flooded the earth, and, and after God had flooded the earth, God gave Noah a sign. Do anybody know what that sign was that he wouldn't flood the earth again? What is it? A rainbow. That's right, a rainbow. So that was in the first covenant. The second covenant was this is when God called Abraham, who was called the father of the Israelites, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, which Jesus would be born through that lineage, uh, that God began to introduce uh, circumcision. 
And circumcision simply meant a removal of flesh. And it was, it was a covenant between God and man. And then the next covenant that we see is the covenant of baptism. When you are received Christ in your life, you know, Jesus did his part of that covenant by dying on the cross. But when you ask Christ in your life and you get baptized, you go down in the water, you come up out of the water, then that you're living, you're saying, I'm in covenant with Almighty God. And then the fourth covenant that we see is a covenant of marriage. And that when a couple, when a man and a woman get married and they have uh, sexual relations, they consummate the marriage, that is actually a covenant that is birthed there that says we are one together, that you can count on me. And the great thing about covenants are this, is that within a covenant there is safety and there is security. In other words, that, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about, is this person going to leave me or not if you're in covenant? Like when Rhonda and I got married, all those years ago, we, we went into covenant. And we said, you know, we are entering covenant. So, you know, we might get in an argument. Anybody else argue if you're a married couple? Anybody else? Hey, thank you. Yes, we argue sometimes. We get mad at each other. There's been times I've just stormed out of the room, stormed out of the house, left the house. You know what I'm saying? Got mad, but not one time did she worry about was, was I going to come back? I just need a little cool off, right? Because we're in covenant. And so when, when it's with you and God, oh, listen to this, you, oh, it's going to help you. When you're in relationship with Almighty God, you may mess up, you're going to mess up, make mistakes, and you're going to storm out. Sometimes you're going to be upset. You're going to say some things you shouldn't say, do some things you shouldn't have done. And I just want you to know, because you're in covenant with God, doesn't mean that you're leaving the relationship. Because He's always calling you right back. Amen? Now that should make you happy to know that you're in covenant with Almighty God. The Bible says this. Paul goes on to write in verse number 9 of chapter 3 of Philippians. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? On faith. Not on what you do, but on what you believe about his son, Jesus. You know, in other words, it's not about my performance. It's all about God's pardon. Oh, did you hear that? It's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus did that makes me right in the eyes of Almighty God. And that's exciting today. Uh, I'd like to share something with you today. Is uh, we, I had this idea. In a couple of weeks, Rhonda and I will be going to Israel. Um, our deacons are sending us because we'll be pastors here for 20 years this April. So they're sending us on a trip over there to Israel in a couple of weeks. And one of the things that I am looking forward to is that I'm going to be rebaptized in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized at, in the Jordan River. And so I thought about this. You know, I got baptized when I was 15 years old and I become a Christian, you know, and I thank God. And so it doesn't mean that I've, I've left my ways, but I just, in my juncture in my life right now, it's something that I want to do. I just want to be rebaptized since I'm going to Israel in the Jordan River. And so in thinking about that, I wonder how many of you, you maybe can't go to Israel right now, but there might be many of you that might say the same thing that I'm feeling in my life, that, hey, you want to make a, 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 uh, a statement of being uh, rebaptized by a recommitment and, and showing your covenant. And if that's you, if you'd like to do that, I want to tell you something. The Sunday after Easter on April the 12th, I personally am going to be in the baptismal pool. I'm going to baptize every person that wants to be baptized or re-baptized re that day. So if that's you, 
If you're just turn your connection card over, you say, Pastor Jeff, I'd like to be baptized or rebaptized, then you just check that box and, and we're going to do it. Pastor Kevin will be in there, all three services. Uh, I don't get to do that often, but I'm going to do it on that day because I know what it means to me. And so if you want to do that, you just check your card. We'd love to have you do it. And then one other thing before I go to the next point is this, is that if, if you're a Christ follower today, every morning you get up, the first thing you should do is say, God, thank you that I am forgiven. Amen. I'm forgiven. That means that, that it, no matter what happens in my life, oh God, my relationship with you is good. And when you live out of the power of forgiveness, you don't try to hide from God. Did you hear that? You know, you know, I don't know about you, but there's when I was coming up as a kid, there was things that I did that uh, I didn't like. And there's matter of fact, as an adult, there's been some things that I've done that so when I got around some people, I was like, oh, boy, I hope they don't know, man. I hope they don't get that against me. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like that. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. I know many of you. I know you know what I'm talking about. And so, and so you know, and we sort of when we have something that we're ashamed of, our, 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 our little something between us, we try to hide, don't we? But I want you to know that when you live out of forgiveness, that God sees everything you've done anyways, you've confessed it, He's forgiven you, you don't have to hide, you can run too. And so every morning you get up, the first thing you say is, thank God I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Amen? Come on, let's just give God a hand for that. Amen, I am forgiven. Would you write this down, number two? Every day, remember what matters most. Oh, this is a happy habit. Stop losing your joy over the little things. Did you hear that? Stop losing your joy over the little things. Man, in my life, I, I have these struggles. You know, it's amazing how I can be having a, a great day and then I have to travel downtown, and, you know, it's rush hour time, and, and somebody cuts me off in traffic. And my day that was a great day can also all of, all of a sudden go back to a horrible day. Why? Because it's a small thing. You say, well, yeah, they cut you off, you know, and I just want you to know there's something inside of me that says, if you cut me off, I want to spin you out. I, I mean, I just... And I just want you to know that God is have, has had to help me through the years with that because, you know, I was sort of raised, you hit me, I hit you back. You know, that kind of, you bite me, I want to bite you back. You know, you should have seen me biting those dogs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, kidding. just kidding. But it, but you see what I'm talking about? It's just a little thing. So, so why not? So I've had, to, I've had to grow up. And I've had to learn to listen. Just because somebody else is being a jerk, I don't have to be one too. And just because they've lost all their joy doesn't mean that I have to. And if I let them destroy my day, then I'm, I'm just as immature as they are. And so some of you, you know, like if your hair doesn't lay just right, then, then you've had a bad day. Well, let me tell you something. I haven't had that problem in 15 years. <laughs> For those of you that are listening online, I am bald-headed, by the way. Uh, but, you, but you see... And then another thing that, that makes us have a bad day is that when somebody gets something that we don't have, many times that we see someone get a blessing and, and you know, get a new car, a new house, a, a new spouse. Oh, we better not go there. But anyways, 
you know, maybe a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, something, and it's something, or, or their kids get something, a new iPhone, 2100, I don't know, you know, the next number coming out, I think it's six right now. Uh, but I, I want to make a prediction, by the way, seven will be out by Christmas, just want to let you know. I haven't heard, but I just feel it, hold on, hmm, yes, I think so. <laughs> But what I'm saying is if we look at other people's stuff and we say, well, I don't have that. And they got it. They don't deserve it. You know, those are bad people over there. I serve God and, and I, I'm struggling over here. So we, let, we look at other people's things and we can let it rob us of our joy. No, if you've got breath in your body and you've got strength to get up and, and you all did. You walked in here today. I didn't see anybody carrying you in. God gave you that strength. And so don't let the little things rob you of your joy, man. And women of God, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't let the little things. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3 and 8. He says, never lose your joy. Or He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have dis discarded everything else, counting it all as what? Come on, shout it out. Is what? Is garbage. So that I could gain Christ. Now, I got I to gotta go back and tell you this. Watch this. It's amazing because the translators were being politically correct here when they were writing that. If you go back to the original Greek, the word garbage right there really is not garbage. The, really, the, the word is manure. Dung. Who? Okay, you're getting the picture, right? <laughs> Paul was saying it, it's worthless to me. It's absolutely worthless to me. And here's how you know. Here's how you know that you are a Christ follower. You know how you know is that your values change. What you once valued, you don't value anymore. Like I become a Christian at a young at a, a very young age. And I was going through my teen years and my early 20 years, and people would come up to me, and they would say things such as this. They would say, Jeff, your life is so restricted. You don't get to have fun. Like, you don't get to go out and, and party with us and, and drink with us and have a good time. And you don't get to go have sex with all the other girls. You don't get to do all of that stuff. And I got to think about that. You know, it really wasn't that I didn't get to. It's I didn't want to. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't have those desires. You understand what I'm saying? But, but I was dating my Rhonda at that time, or we were married in our early 20s, and the last thing I wanted to do was, was come home and tell her that, that I, I, had to, I just couldn't help myself. My friends went out last night, and they slept with all these women, so I had to go do it too. Oh, you know, there's not been one day, not one day that I ever regretted not cheating on my wife. Not one day. There's not been one day that I've come in, you know, that I've gotten up on a, in a morning and I regretted not having a hangover. Oh, boy, if I, could just, if I could just have a hangover right now, if I could just have this sickness in my stomach and hug my toilet and just talk to it like it's a human... Oh, boy, yes. 
Not, not one day have I got up and said, oh, I wish I could do that. Never. I don't regret that at all. See, God changes your want to. It's not that you don't have desires, but your want to serve Him is greater than your desires to give in to the flesh. My want to love my wife is greater than any other desire that I've ever had before. So I, want, I don't want to let her down. I want to be a good husband more than I've wanted these other things. Does that make sense to you? And so that's what changes your values change. It changes. Number three, would you write this down? Every day, get to know Jesus better. Oh, this is a happy habit right here. Every morning, if you don't do anything else, when you get out of bed, first of all, say, God, thank you that I'm forgiven. And God, if I don't get anything else done today, I just want to know you more and love you more today. That's it. If you do that, man, your life will change Paul says this in Philippians 3 and 10. Look what he says. He says, I want to know who? Christ. He didn't say, I want to know Katy Perry, did he? I, I, I want to know Christ, not Lady Gaga. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Paul said, I want to know Jesus. And when you become a Christian, and a Christ follower, you want to know Jesus because there's a difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone, right? Like, I mean, I know about Justin Bieber, okay? I know about him. I, I know about Kim Kardashian, okay? I know more about her than I want to know. Seems like there's always something going on. I know about them, but I know my wife. I know her. I know my children. I, I know them. I'm getting to know my connect group. I'm loving knowing them. I know, I know the people in my life. I know them. And so this morning as we take a look at this, this is what I want to say to you is this, is that you don't get to know God by accident. You don't get to know Him by accident. You get to know God by spending time with Him. That's the way you get to know God. You see, you will never know Him just by hearing about Him. You know Him by getting to spend time with Him. And so this is what I would like to say to you today, is that there's, there's something that's a robber that's robbing our relationships. And here they are. Here it is. It's busyness. Busyness will, will kill a marriage. You, know, you cannot be two ships that are passing in the night and have a flame that will keep burning. It will not. It will go out. And then you'll start looking at other people and, and wishing you had somebody else when really all you need to do is learn to spend a little more time together. You see, you can't be the parent that you want to be if you're just passing in the night with your children. You'll never have great relationships with your children if you're too busy. And you'll never have a great relationship with God if you're too busy. You'll never have that. We have to set time aside just a few minutes a day to be with God. Why? Because how many of you have ever felt like you've been busy like me before and you feel like you just need a moment to catch your breath? Anybody ever felt that way? Let me see your hands. All right, great. That's the majority of us. I got some good news for you. Do you know that the Bible says that God's Word in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, God's Word is God-breathed? You know what that means? That means when God created Adam, the, in the very beginning, the first human being, he formed up the dirt and he breathed into that dirt 
and it became a living being. He became Adam, Adam became alive, that dirt became alive, become flesh because God breathed into him. His breath becomes spirit that made him alive. And when God gave the Bible, when he was giving it to the, these 40 authors that wrote the Bible over almost a 2,000-year period, God was breathing. He was breathing his word, and they were writing it down. See, right now, you are hearing my breath. You don't know that, did you? Right now, there's air that's coming up out of my diaphragm. It's coming up my throat, across my vocal cords. And as it comes across my vocal cords, my tongue is moving, my mouth is moving, and it's creating words. But really, what you're hearing is my breath. And so when God was given his word, it was God breathed. It was his breath, and his breath is life-giving. And so every time that you take a break and you get into God's word, guess what? When you read God's word for only 5 or 10 or 15 minutes a day, you are, you are inhaling God's breath, and you're exhaling worry and stress and all the cares of this world. Then the problem is this, is that a lot of people... Will not, they will not go to God's Word until it's almost time of heart attack time. You know, you know, you know like, if you keep stressed out all the time, stressed all the time, you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke, and if that happens to you, you're going to find yourself somewhere where people are going to be beating on your chest trying to get your heart to beat again, and they're going to be blowing into your mouth trying to get a breath into you, and, and hopefully that you're going to catch that breath and you're going to come back to life. And too many of us live our lives counting on CPR about once a week. See, some of you come in today, you're hoping that I can do something to revive your life, and, and it's like my hand is on your chest doing this right here. When God's saying, every week, what I want you, every day, what I want you to do, is I want you to take about 10 minutes, and when you read this, you're going to be inhaling, you're going to be inhaling my word and my spirit, and then you can exhale all your problems. Amen? Isn't that good? Just turn to your neighbor and say, that's good stuff right there. That's right, that's really good. So, what I want to do with you is this, is I would like to let you know that I've written a book. It's right out there if you haven't gotten it yet. It's $5. I've given it to the churches. I, I make nothing off of this book. And the reason I did that was for this reason. Because it would t I could go on another two hours and tell you what I'm, trying, what I'm thinking about how to, how to better read God's Word. But I wrote it in a page and a half. So you can either sit and listen to me lecture you for three hours, or you can go get that book, and about a page and a half, you can get it. And so I would encourage you to do that. All right. So on the back of your connection card, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to check the box on the back. If you will do this with me, it says, I would like, I would, I will do my best to read my Bible a few minutes each day. If you will do that, I want you to check the box. Why? So that we can pray with you. So that we can pray with you. All right, let's go on to number uh, four. Here we go. Every day, review where I need to grow. Every day. Following Jesus is a decision that you make. But after you make that decision, you can't stop with that. Also, that decision entails a greater decision, which is the decision to continue to grow. It reminds me of a story that I heard uh, this week, there was a, uh, a lady who had put her kids to bed, and, and so she had went and got into bed herself. And as she laid down, she heard a big thud on the floor. And so she got up and she ran upstairs. She went to her son's bedroom, and she said, 
what happened? And she looked, and he, he's on the floor. She said, honey, how did you fall out of the bed? He said, mommy, I was just too close to where I got in. Some of you right now, in your spiritual journey, you're just staying too close to where you got in. You said the prayer, and you stopped right there. And I'm encouraging your pastor who loves you to encourage you to move a little bit away from that line and keep moving away from that line so that you don't keep having so many setbacks that you can keep growing in Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Look what Paul says in Philippians 3 and 13. Notice this. This is our memory verse, by the way. This means that you memorize it. Remember, when you remember God's Word, when you focus on trying to memorize God's words, your mind don't have as much time to worry. Here we go. He says, I am still not all I should be. Now, what I'd like for you, I'd like for every person in this room to read that out loud. You ready? One, two, three. Here we go. I am still not all I should be. Whoa. I'm not still all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on, on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, one thing I want to say, what will keep you from growing? And that word is pride. Pride is the one thing that will keep you from growing over anything else, and that is pride. You see, pride says this. Pride says, I don't need you. That's what pride says. Pride says, you know what? As a, as a husband looks at a wife, or a wife looks at a husband, says, I don't need you. When a child looks at a parent, or a teenager looks at a parent, looks at them and says, I don't need you. It's when a, it's when a, a Stockbridge Community Church person who attends Stockbridge Community looks at a church and says, I don't need you. It's when a person looks at a, a Christian, looks at a, at a connect group and says, I don't need you. It's when even when pride fully blown, we will even look at God and we'll say, the reason I don't need, the reason I don't read the Bible is because really what I'm saying is, I don't need you. Get away from me. I don't need you. That is the height of all pride. It says, I don't need God. So when you, do, when you don't, when you choose not to pray, when you choose not to read the Bible, when you choose not to do those things, you're really pointing your finger up and saying, I don't need you. And I don't think anybody here intentionally says that, but that's exactly what we're saying. So pride kills. But humility, on the other hand, humility heals. Humility says, I'm indebted to you. I need you. I want you in my life. You're a vital part of my life. I need you. Listen, I don't know where you are in your relationship, but as husband and wife, one of the greatest things that you can do is look your spouse in the eye and let them know that you need them, that you're incomplete without them. One of the things you can do is look at your children and say, I need you. One of the things that children can do is look at parents and say, I need you. You're important to me. I value you. That's humility. That's what humility says. It says that I need you. One of our Connect groups this week uh, sent an email to Chris Woodson, who's our Connect group director here, and it's the driver Connect group, and they sent this email. He was checking in and said, how are things going? And they said this. This is awesome. He said, things are going great in our group. People are learning and having a good time at the same time. God is answering prayers and meeting needs. Folks have been healed, family situations have been mended, and lives have been spared because of God's miraculous power. Praise God. Amen. Can we give God a hand for that? Amen. 
Why? Because that's a group of people that's gotten their priorities together. David said, God, I need you. We need each other. And God does miracles in that kind of environment. In, that, in our Connect group this week, you know, one of the things that we did, we put a chair in the middle of the room and said, if you need prayer, get in the chair. And we laid our hands on the people's shoulders and prayed for them. It's amazing what God is doing in our groups. I'm so proud of you, church. So many of you are part of our groups, and God is changing lives in a great way. Would you write this one down, number five? Every day, forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Every day. You see, you can hold on to your pain or you can be happy, but you cannot do both. Did you hear that? You can hold on to your pain or you can be happy, but you cannot do both. Paul says this in Philippians 3 and 13, going back to our memory verse, he says, I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Would you read this last sentence with me? Would you read it out loud? Here we go. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. In other words, he said, I've had hurts. Here he is, an old man in a... In a in a jail cell now this writing, he's at the end of his life and says, you know, I've had hurts in my life. But what I've understood, I haven't learned everything, but I've had to move on from my past onto my future. And the only way I can move into the future is let go of my past. There's a couple of things that holds us to our past, and that is one is unforgiveness. You see, if you're holding bitterness against someone, it's just like you drinking poison, hoping it hurts them. It only hurts you. You have to let it go. And there's some of you that, listen, I know that you've been hurt. I know there's some of you that's been verbally abused. Some of you have been physically abused. Some of you have been sexually abused. You've been abused. You've been hurt by people. I know, and I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that that happened to you. I have hurts in my life. You've had them in your life. But you have to let them go or they will kill you. Or they will kill you. You know the problem that I have? I remember the things I should forget, and I forget the things I should remember. You have that problem. I think we all have that, don't we? It's learn to let it go, to let it go, to let it go. How do you let it go? I'll tell you how. Whenever I have that thought come through my mind about what happened someone did to me a long time ago, is that when that thought comes in, I can't get it out automatically, and I start having those bad feelings. So what I've had to learn to do is let that thought trigger a thought, another thought, and that is to begin to praise God. And how I do that is when that thought comes about what somebody did to me, instead of dwelling on it, I say, I let it trigger, and I say, God... Thank you so much that you saved me. Thank you that you healed me. Thank you that you've taken care of me. Thank you that you're my life, oh God. Thank you that you're so good. Let me tell you something. When you start replacing your pain with praise, it's amazing how the pain goes away and God begins to do great things in your life. Amen? Amen, amen. Whoa, man, isn't this good preaching? I tell, this, is, I, this is just good stuff. Mm, 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 mm. The second thing I want to say is regret. I, I mean, is anybody besides me? Just, just help me out. Has anybody here done anything that you wish you had not done in your life? Anybody besides me? Okay, thank good. Thank you so much. Because I have. I don't know about you, but I, I, it works this way with me. Like, things can be going good in my life, and, and all of a sudden my mind is just, 
you know, just going good. And all of a sudden, I just have this thought out of nowhere that reminds me about something I did a long time ago. Anybody else experienced that? And then all of a sudden, you have that sick feeling, right? You have that sick feeling. You're, you have this embarrassment come over you, this, this sick feeling wishing that it never had happened. That's called regret. And that will kill you. It will kill you. So we have to let go of that stuff. I want to tell you, God has pardoned you. He's pardoned me. Remember we said earlier that it's not about my performance, it's about God's pardon. And if you've asked God to forgive you, He's forgiven you. What I'd like to do right now, I'm going to tell you a story, but before I do that, I'd like for you to go ahead and stand with me if you would, and then we're going to have our prayer partners go ahead and make their way on down. So if you guys will go ahead and stand, our prayer partners will come on down. And by the way, they're down here for you. If you have something you'd like to pray about, they're here for you. And there's an altar area right here that nobody's here that you can come and kneel if you want to pray about something in just a moment when the music starts. In 1829, there was a guy by the name of George Wilson. George Wilson was a guy who did something crazy. He decided that he was going to rob the mail carrier. And in Pennsylvania, that's what he did. He robbed the mail. It was a federal crime. He, he beat them to a pulp of their life. They didn't die, but they almost died. And so they arrested him, and they uh, tried him, convicted him, and said he should be hanged. Well, he stayed in jail a pretty good while. But when Andrew Jackson was leaving office, he decided to give George Wilson a pardon. He said, I pardon you. You can be free. But something happened that had never happened before. George Wilson denied the pardon. I don't want it. They didn't, the government didn't know what to do. What do we do with that? The president's given a pardon. He should be out. And so they took it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled on that. And the ruling was this. Is that the only way to receive, a, only way to get a pardon is it has to be received. In other words, if you're not willing to receive the pardon, then you don't get it. And George Wilson was hung because he rejected the pardon. Some of you are walking around here right now. You're walking around your life and it's like a noose is on your neck because of regrets of your past, things that have happened that you can't let go of and you're ashamed of and it, it embarrasses you. It, it, it takes you down every time and there's like a noose on your neck. I want to tell you today, in the name of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ follower and you said, God, forgive me for that, I want you to know that you have been pardoned by Almighty God. And today your job is not to do one more thing. It's not to say one more prayer about it. Your job today is to say, God, I receive your pardon. I'm free. Would you say this with me? On the count of three, I want you to shout out as loud as you can. On the count of three, I am free. You ready? One, two, three. You ready? I am free. Come on, one more time. I am free. One more time. I am free. Free in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm free. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.